16. Getting the order of priority right. The five F's. Resetting and reorienting life toward what is important. Faith, family, friends, fitness, and finances. In that order. The one thing that strikes me each morning is that how quickly my moods can change and that I shouldn't trust my feelings. I'm not sure where I read it, but someone mentioned that hunger is like a toddler, always needing something. I seem to have a whole house full of toddlers. I want coffee. I want quiet. I want food. I want media. I want. Therein lies the problem. I want. Even if you kick your worst habit, new desires will still find their way into your head. The Buddhists almost have this problem nailed down and solved, since the cause of all suffering does seem to stem from desire. However, there is one thing lacking in the Buddhist answer to the problem of suffering, and that is what the divine person of Jesus presents as a better answer. The problem is this. If Jesus is who he said he is, then we would be insane not to follow him. If he's not who he said he was, then he was insane and deserves not to be followed. Tim Keller mentioned this in a podcast about the whole world hating you and reminded me of this dilemma. And I need to be reminded over and over because this is at the center of why I was a religious nun for so long. This either-or scenario that Jesus presents is hard to handle. One way or another, we have to make a choice that either Jesus told the truth or he didn't. The default choice is doubt and indifference, that he is not the Son of God and the resurrection did not happen. This is the Matrix red pill, blue pill scenario that's very popular in modern conspiracy theorist circles, and they love to use this metaphor to sell their ideas. But this either or is from a long time ago with much bigger stakes. Decide that it's a lie and you wake up each day and ignore the story. He either rose from the dead or he didn't, right? This is the question that must be answered by everyone, like it or not. Because if we do nothing, the default position of doubt is then our selected choice. With this decision, he is lying and it's all a hoax. Well, I spent two decades believing that he was lying. And that didn't work out very well for me as I chased so many dead ends. In terms of worldly goals, it worked out fine. I would say even great, actually, given my job and family, vacations, things like that. But my soul remained empty through those years. I was spiritually dead. I imagine that I was alive and righteous and connected, in quotes, on the internet, but my heart was flatlined. So then I had to slink back and reconsider which pill to take once again. Taking the other pill is much better. Truth be told, I was able to stop taking other kinds of pills, citalopram, for instance, once I decided that he was not lying. This alone to me was stunning, absolutely stunning. And I wonder how many others' mental health would improve if they just gave it a shot. The main difference is that this pill of belief and faith gives you meaning to life, and the other pill takes it away. So this idea that I no longer need certain pills 
to survive or get through the day because I now have faith is unbelievable to me. I know that exercise boosts my mood and fixes me for a bit, but after pursuing various goals of fitness, I know that fitness alone is primarily for my ego, like any other pursuit of pleasure, not for real deep fulfillment. I do find the discipline of exercise far better than old habits, like drinking or watching TV or scrolling on websites. Yeah, those really don't help much of anything in terms of the heart. How many times have I sat on the couch late at night after watching some TV series or movie only to go to bed feeling like I just wasted the whole evening? Entertainment is like cinnamon toast crunch. It's just so good to consume, but ultimately leaves me empty. Both are best enjoyed in moderation and kept below the more important five F's that I will explain in a minute. The year of the pandemic allowed me ample time to consider what is important, and I'm grateful for the space that opened up to find my way back to faith. I had already signed up for more events, races, triathlons, but they were all canceled. So with this change, the ordering of my life has also changed, and fitness no longer takes precedence at the top. Before the pandemic, I saw fitness as this high moral good, almost a righteousness in itself. I felt like it washed me clean somehow, that through my registration for a race, I had purchased like a modern indulgence for my soul. But now I see that fitness must really fall lower as follows in my five F's, which go like this. Faith, family, friends, which also includes two other Fs, fellowship and fraternity. Fourth is fitness, and fifth is finances. I really wasn't sure about the order of the last two, of fitness and finances, but given the constant mention in the New Testament of how wealth and money is not the goal in life, I decided that finances must be last. Any deviation from this order means that I'm out of order, like a vending machine that doesn't vend. Thus, the trick is remembering this order, especially when I want to go on a two-hour bike ride or a 10-mile run, or when I want to binge a TV show on Netflix. What I want is so often wrong. Learning this is easiest by getting my butt kicked around in life. If my faith or my dedication to my family fades at all, or if I neglect friendships, then this will mean I have elevated fitness over those higher Fs. If I've done that a lot in my life already, I have noticed the wake of wreckage that it has left. If my marriage comes after anything, like drinking or swimming or coaching, then I'm off track. What's clear to me is that this ordering of Fs is correct. I want to get out for a run today, a brief one, because the other Fs have already made commitments. I have things to do for faith, family, and friends. Running is an action done for myself and my ego, but it does help boost the other Fs. So this is the tightrope to walk, where choices I make tell me where the priorities sit. Fitness helps improve those faith and family parts of life, so there's no reason to pretend that all acts done for the ego are somehow bad. I'm not a desert monk. No, I'm not 
nearly as cool as St. Anthony of Egypt. The key of the order is to remember that items lower in the list are not by themselves inherently bad. They are good, but they must never bubble up to the top and become the highest good, the summum bonum of my life. That is when the title of this blog comes into play. Why did Peter sink? Well, because he was out of order on the five Fs, but simpler still, the faith F fell out of first place. There is a way to help keep this order in place, too. There's a three-step recipe described by Word on Fire that seems to help me pin this to the wall, and it even acts as a good standalone prayer. One, finding the center. Christ must be at the center of my life. Two, knowing I am a sinner. There is a dysfunction that I cannot fix by myself. And three, realizing my life is not about me. Charity, volunteering, that's the way. And whenever I'm thinking of myself, there's a pretty good chance I'm looking away from God. I would add a fourth to that list and say, number four is stop looking for approval from anyone but Jesus. Am I feeling agitated by something in this world? If so, my addiction to self is returning, and it returns quickly. So the answer to number four is to turn off the computer or phone and return to step one, which is finding the center. Christ must be at the center of my life. Every run, swim, or bike ride that I do alone can actually become a time of reflection and even prayer. That I know as I often go to that, uh, quote, chapel in the heart while running or biking. I don't know who to thank for this idea. I've heard maybe it was Ephraim of Syria. I don't recall from like the what, whatever century, but I go there quite often when the world is swirling around me. I can't tell you how many times I've gone to that chapel while coaching when the chaos starts to swirl. If you want to see a depiction of Hell's Furies in modern times, attend a youth sport tournament championship game that has gone into overtime or extra innings. And there you'll witness a complete disorder of priorities. I'm not talking about the children. I'm talking about the adults, the parents. I could really go on for this about youth sports for a couple of weeks, probably, and maybe eight or ten podcast episodes. But the reason people are so into these children's sports is because they lack something. They want approval. They want love. But they really, really desire honor. And since none of us are about to be called up to war, we can take up our shield for God and country, like in the Battle of Malden or something where the Anglo-Saxons got rocked by the Vikings but went down in a blaze of glory, we're still yearning for that experience, and youth sports is a good proxy experience. You can watch people's faces change as the bloodless victory nears. I feel like if I threw a T-bone stake toward the folding chair near the field, a parent might ravage it like a starving wolf in the corner of the field or the gym, wherever we are. But I've watched parents explode in rage, not always at the opposing team or the referee, but sometimes at their own child. And that's when you can see the truth spill out about how sports, as an example, can affect our life. It's embarrassing and everyone looks away, but what we never do is approach and ask someone, what is the order of priority in your life? Is sports the highest good? Is that above your family or your faith? 
that would really irritate a lot of people, but I think it might be beneficial in the long run for challenging some notions. But in that moment when others are losing it, that's when the chapel within is ready, like a 24-hour neon sign in a bar flashing the words, happy hour. I can go there and watch the madness happening around me, and I ask myself, why did Peter sink? Literally, I do this. If I can extract myself from getting caught up in the moment, I will do this. Sometimes I forget, sometimes I get caught up myself. I have several seasons of using this tactic now in the dugout uh, and on the basketball bench. There's no soundtrack of music playing, no cinematic experience, no bathos like the Hallmark Channel movies. There's only a single question to ask myself to recenter on what is most important so that I avoid going adrift and sinking, to put aside fear and find that radical trust again. Lest you think I feel sports are bad, I do not. The benefit of sports outweigh the negative. Kids make friends, they exercise, they learn what teamwork means, they work toward a goal, and they celebrate the ups and downs of wins and losses. Overall, they learn many of life's lessons through these games. It's just the adults that are insane, and I'm as guilty as anyone of elevating it to an excessive height in the priority of things. I still recall the devastation I felt after a last-second shot crush some hoop dreams. This was actually one of those moments of realizing the disorder of things in my life. Because if, if a kid's game can make your world crumble, something isn't quite right. And as a Minnesota Vikings and Minnesota Gophers fan, I should never have fallen into this trap anyway. I should have known well in advance that hanging my hopes and moods on a sporting event would leave me cold and in the fetal position Yet I still let youth sports feed my own ego vicariously to the point where it gave me a false sense of value. And the same goes for fitness. Getting in shape very easily converts from making a self-improvement into a self-love, and then quickly slides over into lust or pride, and I'm sorry to say a kind of self-worship. If you need evidence, you can just go to Instagram. And you know what I'm talking about. It started with simple gym selfies, and now the clothes appear to be painted into every crack of the human body, leaving so little to the imagination that Jane Austen's Victorian readers' heads would have exploded upon eye contact. The pursuit of happiness through fitness or sports or knowledge or drinking, it's all the same. All of it. It may make you happy for an hour or two, maybe a week, maybe a year, maybe five years. But eventually, it will fail, and then you'll wonder why. I certainly scratch my head and wonder why this thing or that thing didn't satisfy, and usually before long, rather than examine why or look at it too closely, I would move on to another thing and expect the permanent solution of happiness to be there. I always wondered why, and now I can tell you why. It's not because any of those things were specifically bad in themselves. It is because all of those things were not God. What happens is that there's a thing I wanted, and if I got it, I was happy and then soon disappointed. And if I didn't get it, I was disappointed. And then I was angry or upset or depressed. Why? Because it wasn't God. Thomas Merton said, People may spend their whole lives climbing the ladder of success only to find, once they reach the top, that the ladder is leaning against the wrong wall. Anything that you put highest 
in your life that is not God has a shelf life of supermarket milk. It's good for a while, and then it turns rotten. If you want to get off that treadmill of the pursuit of happiness, if you want a way to be happy not for a week or a month or a year, then give faith a try. A real try. Do it for a year. For all the quack diets and depression pills and exercise equipment we buy, what would hold you back from trying something that is free? Exercise in general, without question, is good. It's very good. They say sitting is the new smoking. We have so many sedentary jobs now that I think that's true. The mental assist that physical exercise gives me helps me with those second and third Fs, family and friends. I believe there's a way to weave this all together, but the danger here is that the self, not the higher power, is driving the decision. Pride, also known as honor, is a many-headed hydra that comes back to me in a thousand forms. Cut one head off, and two grow in its place. Cut those two off, and four more grow. If I aim to build habits around a Christ-centered life, such that I can deal with whatever challenges lie ahead, I can remain disciplined in faith and not be fooled by the shadow puppets of this world that beckon us toward the four big empties. And those are pleasure, honor, wealth, and power.